Welcome back to another Locked On NFL alongside the scout Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock. We are taking you around the league daily here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And since the NFL never sleeps, a ton of news to get into on today's show. We will also break down the primetime game, Sunday Night Football, and the Monday Nighter. Uh, But Matt, first, I think we should just dive right into the latest news that came down Tuesday morning. And uh, there's some trades happening and and people asking for trades. But I think the top story right now is Daniel Jones has been named the starter for the New York Giants. The Eli Manning era looks like it is over. Much to our surprise, we talked yesterday how we thought they weren't going to do it for a while. Yeah, I'm I'm glad it's happening. I mean, to me... Eli needs to be on the bench or on his couch and move on with his life's work. He is not the player he once was. The talent around them isn't helping. Uh, Tomorrow we're going to do a power ranks. I can assure you the Giants will be very low. Things aren't going well. The, The team has to see what they bring in Jones. And I actually just wrote an article about this. Check out my timeline at Williamson NFL for Yard Barker about what I think of Jones. And I preface it by saying, first of all, it's time. Second of all, I would not have used the sixth pick in the draft on Jones. Um, I didn't think he was worthy of that. I thought he was more of a second round pick type of guy, developmental player. But I will also say, His preseason was pretty impressive, and one of his best traits is his hard work and his relationship with Cutliffe and all these things. It's pretty clear he's putting in the work to me, and he's become a better prospect now than when I watched him coming out of Duke. So is he ready? Who knows? But that's the way the league works, and it's time to find out. Yes, and it's long overdue, and here's the funny thing is that I think Everybody is sort of ready for it now with Eli moving aside. They tried to do this a couple of years ago, and nobody was having it. The ownership was mad. Coaching staff was an awkward transition going to Eli all of a sudden. They didn't go with their young quarterback in Kyle Laletta uh, at the time, and it was just a real cluster you-know-what in New York. When they tried to move on from Eli, they, they paused that. They scrapped that. Coaching staff gets fired. And this time they draft a high quarterback. He looks good in the preseason. They're not winning with Eli. And it it had to happen. I was wondering if they were ever going to do it. But now it has come. And I wonder if, like you mentioned there, the preseason play of Daniel Jones helped accelerate that timeline for the team when they saw him play. And they're like, look, he's playing pretty good. We've got to see this guy. And we've got to get him in there. Yeah, and... I don't love his footwork, which leads to accuracy problems, but it looks like he's cleaning that up a little bit. Um, He can hold the ball a tick too late. He can try to play hero ball a little too much. We'll see. Um, Back to that Eli situation, though. I'm not sure I ever really addressed that because people will think I'm a Ben McAdoo apologist because we were GAs together at Pitt way back when. But um, he doesn't really get enough credit for whenever he benched Eli, he probably went about it the wrong way for Geno Smith. Yeah. But the reality is that was the right move. And that was a while ago, folks. Like that's when Eli needed to be benched and uh, they've been living with him ever since. I mean, that can't happen. Yeah. That was, that was a strange situation because I agree. That was the right move. It was time to move on. And I don't know if Geno Smith was the right guy to go to. And maybe, you know, McAdoo was the fall guy there. He didn't, Breed a lot of confidence, I think, was his big problem. Um, and by the way, mm-hmm. you did mention there your Twitter handle. And by the way, Matt is a must-follow on Twitter at WilliamsonNFL. You can find me at 
BD Peacock on Twitter. When Daniel Jones was coming out, I want to talk a little bit about him as a prospect because we haven't seen him quite enough as an NFL player to make any decisions or to, to come away with any uh, feelings about him, aside from some nice play in some preseason games, which you can't really overrate that, but it's it's nice to see a young player come in and look comfortable uh, throwing an NFL football. Um, I, I comped him to Derek Carr coming out. I thought that second round area where you know he has some talent, some things you like, you draft him, and maybe you get a starter, maybe you get a backup, but you're not so tied to him long-term like you would be a number six overall pick. But the Giants obviously loved him. And if you love a guy that much, I think everyone had to be on board with taking him that high, which would signal to me that they they fully believe in him. So that maybe is why this situation is different than it was before with moving on from Eli Manning to Daniel Jones. Yeah, and one thing I did say, I mean, I said I didn't, I personally would not have taken Daniel Jones at six. But after they did, and what they have, the 17th pick or somewhere in the middle of the first round. Yeah. My, I mean, I, I said on the podcast, hey, if you like them enough at 17, make sure you get him at six then. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you think he's a starter and he's your franchise quarterback, you take him at six, although I didn't think he was the sixth best player in this draft. Right. And if, if it is a franchise quarterback situation, you can't take him too high. And if you like him at 17, I agree. And I think that's what happened with him. I think they'd have liked to take him late. Everybody knew they liked Daniel Jones, but people were skeptical. They're like, no, they're not really going to take him at six, are they? But everyone knew that they liked Daniel Jones. So you can't let the whole league know you love a player and then let someone jump up and take your guy if you really love him. So at that point, I, I understand how it happened and how he ended up at number six, despite them getting crushed for it at the time. But look, none of that matters. Now you've got him in the building. And if he's the guy, then more power to you. And you nailed it. And uh, I, I've been hard on Gettleman in the past and we'll see how this works out for them but that's the most important piece if they got their quarterback long term then the New York Giants are going to be looking good but like you mentioned uh, right now pretty low on our power rankings that will be released tomorrow and thus far it's working out well for the Giants he's passed the preseason tests but it's a little different when you play against an attacking Todd Bowles defense in week three Absolutely. Okay, we've got some new faces in new places, and I can't remember a time when there was this much movement in the NFL early in the season because you had an whole offseason to figure some things out and move guys along, and now there's players just bouncing around in week two of the NFL season, week one of the NFL season. Uh, it's kind of madness right now as things are shuffling and we're learning about these teams in 2019. So uh, let's get to some of the trades, some of the requested trades, and uh, some of the other news going on around the NFL. This podcast is brought to you in part by Mack Weldon. Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code Locked On. Folks, it is a new season. The only thing that hasn't changed where I'm putting my money down on all the games. MyBookie is the only place to bet on football every weekend. MyBookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year... They're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs 100 bucks to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. So, folks, I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me, and absolutely my bookie fits that mold. My bookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game, They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business for you and your fantasy guys out there. You can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. I love that feature, by the way. 
up to a $1,000 first deposit bonus. You double your first deposit. Use our promo code Locked On to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use our promo code Locked On when creating your, your claim when you're creating your account to claim the bonus. Again, that's locked on, two words, locked on, bet, win, get paid. Mika Fitzpatrick is now a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I'm really interested to hear your take on this, Matt, and I wasn't sure if the Dolphins were going to get a first-round pick for Mika, but I thought he was worth a first-round pick to the right team. I didn't know if the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to be that team, but they were able to pull off a trade. Here's the specifics of the deal. The Dolphins move Mika Fitzpatrick, a fourth rounder in 2020 and a seventh rounder in 2021 to the Steelers who give up a first rounder in this coming draft, a fifth rounder in this coming draft, and then a sixth rounder in the 2021 draft. Overall, Matt, what are your feelings about that trade for the Steelers and the Dolphins? Yeah, and it's important to mention those other picks, too, because it is more than just Minka for a one. I mean, a fourth-round Dolphins pick is a top-100 pick. I mean, that's the end of the third round. Yeah, that's the first pick on day three. Right, exactly. So there's value there. I mean, so they moved up substantially in a couple spots in the draft, too. So that's noteworthy, at least. Um, Here's what I think of him as a player. I'm going to go on a long diatribe here, so so, bear with me. I'm going to talk to Steelers, and it's a big move, and I'm a big fan of the move. The player, to me, he supposedly complained in Miami about being asked to play too many positions, and that was a huge red flag for me saying, I don't believe you, Minka, because you played every position in the book at Bama. You are the ultimate team guy, a Saban favorite, tough as could be, well-respected, leader. I think you just went out of Miami. <laughs> you know, like, so I don't know what, the, the, what that's all about. But when the, originally when the deal went down, I thought, wow, they finally found their big slot corner. Somebody that can line up on Keenan Allen and Wes Welker as well as Evan Ingram and Travis Kelsey. You know, they, they can play near the line of scrimmage, can help versus the run. But then Sean Davis went on injured reserve today, and he's the free safety. And maybe their plan is just to stick Minka in center field and have him only do one thing, but try to excel at that one thing. Like when you make a, you know, a really good dinner, just keep sticking with the lasagna you make. You don't need to try to do new things. Maybe because Davis is a free agent after the year. And I don't know that he'll be back. So maybe Minka is just the free safety forever. And that's possible. Or he could be both and be Malcolm Jenkins, you know, a guy like that, that has, a corner background, can come up near the line of scrimmage, can cover the slot, can be your deep middle. So the usage I'm not 100% on, but the player to me, I was shocked he lasted to 11 last year. I thought he had a really good rookie year. Um, he's very cheap. I mean, he's very cost effective for the, and, and then you pick up his fifth year option, you know, if he's as good as you think. So you have the guy for four years. I mean, so. It, it's a great financial move. It does cost you a one. And trust me, Steeler Nation right now is going, that might be the second pick in the draft. Like, holy cow, we can't give that up. We're yeah. not going to win any games ever again. You know, the Steelers are terrible. If you watch these games, Williamson, how can you trade it for this dude? Well, I bet that the bird in the hand with a guy that they probably had a top 10 grade on that you've watched the 16 NFL games of 
is worth more than the the bird in the you know the the, the bird in the bush or whatever that I'm saying that wrong that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> And, and the unknown, and you get him a year earlier, and he's cost-effective, and he helps you win now. And But uh, what it really told me, Brian, though, is I think that if they were really worried about their quarterback position long-term, they don't make this trade. And I know behind the scenes they're very high on Rudolph. They didn't expect him to play this year. But if they, were, if they didn't think he could be the guy or that Ben was definitely going to retire – I don't think they make this move because then it's time to go find your quarterback. Huge question for this trade that, and you can't really grade it yet until we find out how high that Steelers pick will be in 2020. Right now, the Steelers coming in 0-2, scuffling to start the season. The quarterback thing, I think, is really important because that was the initial thing when everyone said, oh, first rounder, they need that quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger, adamant, he said he's coming back next year. He signed a three-year deal. He intends to play that out. So I think we kind of see where Roethlisberger's career might go. You have to figure that out. Mason Rudolph is, is has a tryout to be that guy now. Maybe you find out he's not the guy, but you get Ben back next year, and then you can still figure out that quarterback situation. You have a couple years to do that. Uh, so that's a, a really interesting wrinkle to this whole thing, but it's pretty clear that the Steelers weren't going to be looking quarterback, even though maybe they, they should at least have taken that peak, because if you draft that high, let's say the Steelers just completely fall apart this year. Uh, I think you still have to look quarterback possibly in the draft. So we'll see if that's the correct attitude to take for them or not. But obviously at this point in time, they thought, you know, quarterback's probably not going to be that option for us, right? I mean, in the end, I think you bet on yourself that, hey, we're going to win more than four or five games. It's not going to be a top eight pick or so. And we think we got it right with Rudolph, who I can tell you right now, they had a first round grade on Rudolph and Right or wrong, we'll see. I mean, I like them. I, I'm excited about seeing them. But if you remember that year, like people often ask, they're like, yeah, the Steelers had a first-round pick on Rudolph, but they took him in the third round. Come on, Williamson. I'm not buying that. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not saying they had a top-10 grade on him. But if you remember, that was the year five quarterbacks went in the first round. So after the first round passed, there weren't many teams looking for him anymore. Like all the teams that needed one got a guy, you know, so it wasn't like they were all beaten down the door. So if a lot of teams maybe had an early second, late first, you know, grade on Rudolph, they already took their their quarterback. They weren't going to draft them. And the Steelers didn't think James Washington had any chance to be available in the second round. So they grabbed them there, and then they went and got Rudolph and got his teammates. So they were thrilled with that situation. We'll see how it works out. But I think these moves indicate that they're comfortable with their quarterbacks. And by the way, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about the upcoming Week 3 game. It's 49ers-Steelers, the two teams we cover. And Mike Tomlin said today that Minka Fitzpatrick will play Week 3 against the 49ers. And I think one key about this, the first thing I thought of actually when I saw Minka to the Steelers, you know, there's the Terrell Edmonds, there's been, you know, the Steelers haven't been great in recent years drafting and developing defensive backs. So I think that was a key for them, too, to say, you know what, let's stop screwing around with this draft thing. We know we love this guy, and I'm sure the Steelers obviously had a super high grade on Minka coming out of the draft, and it's like, let's just get this guy, let's get him in-house, and let's do this thing, and then the injury to Davis probably accelerated that a little bit. Uh, So that's that's another part of this thing that I think really helps the Steelers in their favor because they they wanted to get a guy that they 
they know. They've seen on the NFL level, and whether it's whether it's slot corner or free safety or a little bit of both, I, I really believe in Mika Fitzpatrick. And I think he just needs a little bit more time at free safety just because he played so much around the line of scrimmage and he's so comfortable there already. So love the trade. I think it's interesting for both teams. And for to wrap this up, the Miami side of this trade, this is from ESPN's Bill Barnwell. <laughs> it's I mean, this is crazy. You know, we've, we've talked about the Dolphins going into tank mode already. And look, Mika Fitzpatrick's a good young player. That's what you're trying to build around. So that's still... I don't know how many first round picks, you know, that are coin flips already. If you think a guy's already good that you have, I don't know how much sense that makes in the long term. But this was really interesting from Bill Barnwell. He said the largest aggregate point spread for a single team over an entire season since 1990 is the expansion 1999 Browns, who had a plus 171 over the course of the whole year as far as point spreads go. The 2019 Dolphins are 21 point underdogs against Dallas. And they've already been plus 46 through three weeks. So they're on pace to end up at somewhere around plus 245 by the end of the season. That would completely blow that record out of the water. That's how bad the Dolphins are right now. Potentially the worst team we've ever seen. Yeah. What if their point differential ends up at the end of the year, like minus 250? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, I mean, quick note on the Dolphins. Well, one, one more quick note on Minka is, I'm very curious against your Niners. Does he follow Kittle around some? And I'm kind of hoping the answer is yes, but maybe that'll stick him in deep middle. I don't know. Um, as for the Niners, it's questionable if it's a good idea to trade the birds in the hands, you know, the Minkas and the Tunsils, but they're getting valuable picks for them. And I've been told, and I think it's pretty clear, they don't look at Rosen the same way the Steelers look at Rudolph. You know, they, they don't think the answer is on their roster. So they're going to make sure he is a year from now. Right. I think that's clear. The fact that Fitzpatrick won that starting quarterback job tells you everything you need to know there. And uh, Rosen kind of gets a raw deal again. So he gets drafted by a bad team that turns out to get the number one pick in the draft and takes a quarterback. And that might happen again to the next team he gets traded to. So, you know, maybe Rosen will find his footing somewhere, but it looks pretty clear like now his second team, the Dolphins, isn't going to be it. And if two teams don't like him already, I think that's pretty telling about Josh Rosen even though he was a player I liked coming out so I don't really know what the whole story is there that would be interesting to be a fly in the wall there in some of those meetings and and find out the story on Rosen if he's just not good if he doesn't care you know there is some some people out there that weren't sure if he was fully on board and and willing to do everything it needed to to be done to be an NFL quarterback so that's another interesting discussion for probably another day right now I do want to talk about another defensive back real quick on that I apologize no go ahead I was also very high on Rosen, but kind of like you alluded to, I didn't sit down and have dinner with him. I didn't hang out with a dude, and the people that did aren't real thrilled with him. So maybe that mm-hmm. has a lot to do with it. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's that's kind of the tea leaves that you have to read at this point with Josh Rosen. Another defensive back that is trying to push his way out of Jacksonville, Jalen Ramsey, that should also fetch probably a first-round pick, even though he's a little bit closer to free agency, so a team's going to have to factor money into it so I don't know if that'll change what kind of a return the Jacksonville Jaguars could potentially get but Jalen Ramsey not happy with his coach Doug Marone they got in a little shouting match on the sideline that can happen sometimes so every time you get an argument with your coach I don't think a trade has to happen because that happens probably a lot and a lot more than than people actually see but Jalen Ramsey, what are your thoughts there? One of the best corners in the league. He wants to go man up and shut some people down. He's tired of all the zone that they're running in Jacksonville. 
Yeah, and that's kind of like the Minka excuse to me. I mean, he wants money, and they're very cash-strapped. I think he wants to be immensely compensated, and I think he probably should be. Um, He sounds a little abrasive and not the most fun to be around either. But, hey, if you're locking down receivers week after week, so be it. Um, I think they will move him because they have a lot of other financial issues, and it might just be best to get him get him out of there, get a first in return or something you know substantial in return because kind of like we're talking with the Dolphins, I think they need to go find their quarterback, whether they believe it or not. Um, how about the Chiefs or the Eagles? The Chiefs is the the first team I thought of, and if I'm the Chiefs, I throw my first down pick, my first round pick in 2020 right. in a heartbeat for Jalen Ramsey because be it's 30, their number 31, 32. Yeah, late round or yeah, late in the round, they should be picking high. Adding Ramsey will help that out. That's their obviously their biggest need is Jalen Ramsey, so that's a no brainer in my opinion. I don't know what their cap situation looks like going forward to sign him later, and I know there's going to be a massive deal down the road for Patrick Mahomes that they have to factor in, but. You would think that they would be able to get something like that done. They just signed Tyreek Hill, but Jalen Ramsey to the Chiefs makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, I really think the Eagles could use them too. I mean, their corner situation besides Darby is a little rough, and they're both two very aggressive organizations that might go make such a move. That's a big part of it too. Their team's trying to win now, so you know when you're a good team, when you're picking late, and you. When it, I mean, you want to go win, so go win this thing. Who cares if you give up a first-round pick if it works and you're winning titles because of it? And I think we've even seen the Patriots in recent history just be like, you know what, drafting is hard. Let's trade these picks and get some players here that we yeah. like. And then every time the Patriots are on the clock, I fully expect them to trade down because they, they're just all about quantity when it comes to picks. And then that that gives them the flexibility to to move some picks if they need to. So I like that sort of idea when it comes to the draft not being overconfident in your ability to draft so much that the picks are so valuable that you end up hurting yourself because you aren't flexible at all in moving them. But if you are able to move down in the draft, that helps you to add more, then you can trade them easier, and then the whole thing just becomes a lot easier, and, and you can help yourself win when you need to, and a situation like this arrives, and you can pounce on a deal that could really help you out a ton. So Jalen Ramsey, stud player that, you know, in a vacuum, worth more than even Minka, I don't know, just because of... of salary restrictions, how much more they'll be able to get. But uh, it was interesting, and just to go back to that Minka trade really quick, that it was a first-rounder, yes, but I like the way that the Steelers were able to massage that to make it feel like a little bit less than a first-rounder, you know, getting the fourth-rounder, you know, moving from the fifth to the fourth. It just, it helps, it helps to get it rid does of it. Yeah. yeah, just the way they were able to to make that happen and make everybody feel good about it. It's like, ah, a first is a lot. And they're like, okay, let's swap a fifth and a fourth and then a sixth and a seventh. It gets a little convoluted, but they were able to make it done and feel a little bit less than the first rounder, but the Dolphins were able to get their pick. Obviously trying to set themselves up to go get that quarterback. Yeah, a couple, two notes there. First of all, the draft is hard. You've said that, I think, twice on the podcast. And maybe in the offseason we could talk about that. Like, I'm, I'm all for building through the draft, but... Even the best drafters miss a lot of players. Yep. And the Steelers also are going to get a comp third pick for Lev Bell leaving. So they know that they're going to have some mid-round picks. They're going to have some flexibility. Maybe they could move back into round one if need be. So it's not like the cupboard's bare. Well said. Let's move on. Let's talk about these primetime games. Sunday night football. It was the Eagles at Falcons and the Monday nighter Browns at Jets. 
Well, hello everyone. I want to tell you about our new buddies at Vivid Seats. Well, I'm fortunate enough that I can go to any Steeler game whenever I want, and I don't go to other NFL games. I also have a pretty good source through my Steeler contacts to get the concerts. But Penguin season for me is right around the corner, and I'm going to be using Vivid Seats a lot to go with my buddies. So I'm pretty excited about it. I want to tell you about it. Um, Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last, last a lifetime. With Vivid Seats, listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists perform in person, earning credit back on all purchases made through the Vivid Seat app via the Vivid Seats Reward Loyalty Program. Vivid Seats helps fans find their seats to any of their favorite live events, sports, concerts, theater, and more, stand-up, anything you want, uh, all through the Vivid Seat app. It's very easy. Vivid Seats offers great prices with an easy purchasing experience as well as an in-app loyalty program, Vivid Seats Rewards. With rewards statuses ranging from MVP to Hall of Famer, customers can earn 10% up to 16% credit on all their purchases through our app for the month of August. Go to App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Reward Loyalty Program and will enjoy credits on all their purchases as part of the Vivid Seats Rewards. All Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by 100% guarantee, of course. So this is something you absolutely have to do. And when you go, enter our promo code KICKOFF, all one word, all caps, at checkout to receive a discount of up to a, up to 100 bucks. I mean, so why wouldn't you? Enter our promo code KICKOFF at checkout, and you get a discount of up to 100 bucks. All right, Matt, we weren't able to get to those primetime games yesterday, so let's talk Sunday night football, Eagles at Falcons, and it was the home team, the Falcons, that uh, were the underdog in this one, and they were able to knock off the Eagles 24-20 on Sunday night. Yeah, unfortunately... These two night games, the teams in green, we're talking injuries and injuries and injuries. And unfortunately, around the league right now, Big Ben, Breeze, injuries have become to to the forefront, unfortunately, here just in week two. And I'm not saying the Eagles were – I mean, when we do power ranks, the Eagles will be ahead of the Falcons to me. And I just thought they were killed. People going left and right off the field. I haven't seen something like that in a while. I don't know how bad they are. Um, but I do think the Falcons deserve credit. You know, I thought Ridley, Julio, Ryan, they all showed up very strong. And the, 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 I think that's pretty clear. They're better at home than they are on the road. And 0-2 would have been a big big hill to climb if you're in that division. Absolutely. And the Eagles have some problems of their own, even though they're a team that, you know, I expect to be at the very top of this thing in the NFC when it's all said and done. The New Orleans Saints is another one. And some teams sputtering right now. Injuries are a huge factor in the NFL, and man, that, that I mean, I don't know if there's if you have any more thoughts on the Falcons or the Eagles, but that Jets team, man, I oh, that is a debacle there. I don't think Adam Gase is the guy. I see him on the sideline. I I, I was surprised how quickly they signed Gase in the offseason. You lose Darnold to Mono, which is something that you just can't ever factor in, and he's going to be out a month, even though he'll probably feel good. But it, they talked about it on the on the a broadcast with the you could rupture your spleen because your spleen swells right. up when you have Mono, and it's like what the hell? You could die if you play too early, even though the illness part of it is over and you feel good. So who knows when Sam Darnold's going to get back? Trevor Simeon comes in, immediately gets hurt. Now you're down to Luke Falk, and I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. They got to add another quarterback in New York. 
But aside from that, the team just looked awful anyway. And and Greg yeah. Williams' defense, he calls out a star player on the Browns and just makes himself look stupid. I, I right. that like honestly, and I, I know they changed general managers in New York, but if I'm the GM in New York, I can't fire that coaching staff fast enough and try to get something right to save this thing and and right the ship going forward for Sam Darnold's sake, for your franchise's sake. And I wonder how Le'Veon Bell feels right now about signing in New York. Yeah, and the defense didn't have C.J. Mosley, who you gave a gajillion dollars to, and he's a good player, but you'll probably regret that. Or your third pick in the draft in Quinn and Williams. You know, like, they were really, right. really shorthanded on their third quarterback who had no business being there. As for Gase, um, I have mixed feelings. You know, when they made that hire, I was shocked, and I was kind of, hmm, that's odd. But I did think that, you know, we, we laugh at this Dolphins team in 2019. Well, he won eight games with them last year. You know what I mean? Like, he he's won games with Tannehill as his quarterback, and he's an odd bird, and I could see why people don't like him. But there are some results without many cards in his hand as Miami's head coach. So I'll, I'm going to stick with that at least. How about the catch Odell makes? You know, right to the beginning of the game, the one-hander, holy <laughs> yeah. cow. And then he busts a 70-some yarder or whatever, too. Um, going back to the Big Apple against a team without corners. And I I think I said when we previewed the game, if the Browns don't dominate this game, I'm going to be – it's going to be a red flag for me. So I think they're back on track. Right, yeah. And Odell just flashes. He just makes big plays. And he wasn't really a huge part of that that game aside from those two big plays. But obviously when you rip off, I think it was 89 yards maybe and showing off speed, showing off that the, the footwork that he has, but there's always, (laughs) there's always something that accompanies Odell Beckham. And it's, it's never like some big scandalous thing, but there's the visor. He's trying to just, he just wants a little tint on his visor. It's like, why do you need a little tint on your visor? You know, it's illegal. And then he's cramping up also. And he's had that soft tissue problem. So that's a little bit worrisome where he's like, oh, man, hopefully my legs don't give out where I'm trying to score this long touchdown. And he's cramping up and uh, he's had a lot of hamstring issues and, and things like that. But I didn't uh, love that interview where he was just like, well, I'm happy I'm, I'm OK. You know, like, right. <laughs> him and Julio are always <laughs> fighting something. Yeah, know, it's, like, yeah, it's rough, but he's so fun to watch. And he can that the way he plucks the ball out of the air one handed. I, I didn't uh, even think I mean, we saw the old catch in New York in the same stadium against the Giants right. or with the Giants. But that he plucked it out of the air, and I thought that ball's not in his hand, right? They must have fallen right. to the ground. He just right. with ease, and he practices it. You don't, you know, that's not just luck. You don't just go up and and pull the ball down with luck like that. But the Browns needed Darcy to hold serve here. Up, right? They needed to really look good against the Jets, and and they were a little bit sloppy, but they dominated the, the Jets team that they should have, which makes you feel a little bit better, I think, about about the Browns and all the hype they had coming into this season. They still have to to clean some things up. But they, I, I completely agree. I think you nailed it 100%. You would definitely be worried about the Browns if they weren't able to to beat this Jets team that's so banged up and that is just not playing well. Now they're on their third quarterback, and it looks like it's going to be a long season in New York for the Jets. And again, a little teaser for tomorrow. We got power ranks. Uh, I'm not going to be very nice to the Jets. I can guarantee they're not going to be last. That's about it. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's a good teaser. Let's end this right here. (laughs) We'll be back tomorrow. Power Rankings, Locked on NFL.